New Year, new podcast. This is the Love Sport Podcast. I'm Paul, your host. We'll be joined by John and Pete. We're going to talk a little bit of what's been happening in the last few weeks of EPL, a bit of NFL, and should private lives be brought into sporting lives? Don't know. This is the Love Sport Podcast. And I'm feeling pretty old, but you guys make me feel young every week and it's a non-sexual thing. Welcome to our first podcast of 2021. Oh, mate, that's a sensational intro. It's the only way to really get things underway. Happy New Year and thank you very much for uh, keeping us going in 2021. Thanks, Pete. And uh, John, what about you there, mate? I must say it's wonderful to hear from my favourite women's football coach in Pete and my favourite Podcast host and you. Um, <laughs> you were <laughs> it, was, it wasn't a whole lot going there, so we had to fix up the uh, podcast. Happy host. New Year to everyone. It's all Happy good. New Year. Happy New Year, to, New Year to everyone and the listeners who have stayed by us. We really appreciate it. Um, we're trying to mix it up a little bit. Uh, we're going to break this podcast up into a couple of different parts. So um, just going to let you know. We're going to do a little bit about private lives and sport, a bit of uh, football in the first part. Second part, we'll talk cricket and NFL, just cover off a little bit of stuff there. Please give us a follow on the Love Sport podcast on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, otherwise, you can also follow me at Paul underscore football. When can they, where can they get you, John, on Twitter? At Lambic Peach. And I had a look the other day and I've had exactly um, no new followers since uh, the end of last year. Well, that's not good. We need to get that going. And Pete, let's spell out your surname for everyone, mate. No, I'd rather play the guessing game. So it's uh, at Pete Novikovsky, and I'll let you try and assume how you're going to spell that name. Uh, I'll I'll give you a hint. uh, Spell it phonetically and then take out the Vs and put in some Ws. And let's just play uh, a quick game of kind of like Scrabble. And hopefully then you can try and understand what on earth my Twitter handle might actually be. Now, now, Pete, we are a sporting podcast. So we may be overestimating our audience there. <laughs> and we lost the last yeah, listener. <laughs> oh, God, let's get, in, let's oh, get into it. Been a firestorm in you know recent months, and in the last few days, been a massive firestorm. I'm not going to go into too many specifics, but Damien Hardwick split from his wife. He's with one of the um, administration or marketing members of the team, so I'm not going to go into their private stuff but really brought out some of the worst kind of aspects of social media. And we've talked about how anti-social media is uh, in in a lot of aspects. Um, 
But where do we draw the line on attacking opposition supporters or coaches, players? Where do you think the line should be drawn and what can we do about the change, you know, changing that culture? Oh, jeez. Uh, this is, you know, th- there's plenty of discussions about the concept of the keyboard warriors, the people who hide behind the anonymous uh, accounts. The, there's just that lack of credibility uh, with a lot of the comments which are being said. It doesn't matter who it's about or who it's from. Uh, I feel that you can only really uh, trust and consider what is valid if uh, there is actually kind of, you know, factual um, evidence to prove who the person is and apart from that, geez, you can't really trust a whole lot else that's being said and if anything, um, things are just getting worse and worse with the fact that you can create burner accounts so incredibly quickly uh, and pretty much get away with saying whatever you want without any real filters. Thoughts there, John? Because I think that's some really valid points there, Pete. That is interesting and that's sort of, that's the distinction between um, social media and real life. And those two things don't mirror each other. I think a lot of the stuff that the, the comments that are made on social media, whether it's to do with relationships or race or gender or, or, you know, any part of the, um, the current world politic, if you like, um, come from people who don't have any idea of how the real world works. Mm. But I think it's really important that, we are able to draw a distinction between what happens on social media and the reality of what's happened with the coaches during lockdown. Mm. Because I don't think it's a social media issue. Mm. Um, And I don't know how far you want me to go in with this, but I I just want to take you all a little trip with me. Now I take my 94 year old great aunt from my, wife's side, so she's my great aunt-in-law, to Mass every weekend. And she's a huge football rugby league fan. Can you hear me still? Oh, yeah, mate. Yep. She's a huge rugby league fan and um, a big cricket fan. Now, my wife's family um, has grown up with cricket and football, um, and they've been quite highly decorated in both sports, whether it's um, through umpiring or playing. And I can tell you that when one of the greatest coaches of all time, Wayne Bennett, if you like, for want of a bit of word, lowered his colours and left his wife and um, set himself up with a young lady from the Newcastle Knights organisation, that that not just for her, but for me actually ended my relationship with him as a guy who I thought was a mentor of mine. Mm. Yep. And I'm not trying to speak out of turn because – your personal life is your personal life. But if you set yourself up as a, as a person who's doing all the right things and all that, but you go away for four months on a stint and then your missus who's been with you for the whole time um, and has had your kids and you pick up with someone else who's like, you know, working in the physio department, uh, I'm not into that. I think it's – I don't like it. So I really don't care. Yeah, I, I don't like it either. I think where it – I can only speak, you know, we're not going to go into the details of this person. I think anyone listening to this podcast will know, you know, pretty much what we're talking about. I, I personally, and I think this is why we cannot put anyone up on pedestals. I'm personally, it's up to them, but I was personally disappointed about the way everything's come out and all those kind of things. Whether I'm right or wrong and people say that I should stay out of it, 
that's fair enough. That's true. But I can still feel disappointed. You know, like um, for, for the club I follow, which is the one in question at the moment, the wife in question, um, she's been there through all our things and we, we've kind of been on her side, if that makes sense. So it's a difficult one. I, but I think what's come out is the uh, some of the vitriol and the, the really negative comments towards supporters either way. I, I won't go into the details of it. I've received horrific stuff, but other people have received even worse. If I actually showed you some of the stuff that some really good friends of mine have been sent by opposition supporters, I, you know, I could easily say you'd be shocked, but I actually think it would be. They've taken personal photos but, from, from... Oh, Paul, I think, people, I think people being like that, I mean, you just have to, you know, like, unless you want to take it to the police, you just got to dump it and forget about it. That's why I don't look at my Twitter account. I, oh, no, no, I'm not, I'm, I'm not doubting that. And I have the ability to put my phone down and walk away and, you know, go and have a real life. And, you know, I go surfing and swimming and, I, you know, I have a life. It still shocks me of what kind of country and world we're becoming where people go and look through your personal photos on different platforms and then, you know, use threats against children or family. I have personally reported stuff to police and other people have this week as well. Um, I never thought I'd ever have to do that on social media. So I don't want to make this about me. It's not. I just think that if you're going to use... Sorry, didn't mean to cut you off there, mate. No, no, I didn't want to cut you. I definitely didn't want to cut you off there. And I I think if you at the Broncos last year with Mm. their coach and the stuff that was said there and and all that, see, that stuff to me, it's just garbage. Mm. However, at the end of the day, like um, throughout history, it doesn't matter how far you go back in history, uh, is that the the woman who's in the relationship here with um, who was married to Damon Hardwick, She's got a point of view and she's just putting it out there. Yep. Yep. And I think that's going through pretty strongly. Um, is that it's it's like the Wayne Bennett thing is you can't put yourself up there as this bastion of all things amazing. If at the end of the day, you can't last for 14 weeks in lockdown without, you know, heading off with someone else. I'd, I'm, I'm not into that and I don't like it. And I think if you do that, you do make a, a, a rod for your own back. People will say stuff. People have said stuff throughout history. Absolutely. Um, and so you don't, you don't, but social media is a joke. Yeah, it is really- anti-social media. Well, I'm, I, I want to make this very, very clear to anyone listening to this podcast. I'm not defending nor attacking anyone's actions in terms of what they do in their, their marital lives. But if you do put yourself up as a bastion, as you said, of, of certain values, then Absolutely. Where I'm probably coming from is, I've said it before, I think every single person on social media should have to provide ID, in Australia at least. Um, And if you have multiple accounts, they can all be connected to your ID. Um, So whether that, you know, we have to do that for all sorts of things, right? We don't have to do that for social media. I think we should be accountable for the things we put out there in the world. Yeah, let's swing back to Pete because he was talking about that before. I think I'm going down the track of of, um, the issue with the, you know, I, I think something's not right in the bubbles when two of the coaches in the AFL come out with dropping a, a wife, a lifetime wife. Oh, absolutely. And, and I do think that's in probably... A couple of weeks, man, just bullshit. I don't like that. Pardon no. my language. And I do think that's probably a separate issue to where I'm going. And, and I want to once again say, I don't know what the circumstances are. I'm, I'm probably more going towards where we're behaving as a society on social media. 
Um, so I think Pete made some great points as well. Um, I don't want people to turn this podcast off and make it political. I'm just thinking that in the end, everyone's accountable and we should be made to be accountable for the things we say. They have real repercussions on people's lives. Absolutely. Um, absolutely cannot uh, state that <clears throat> any further or any more really to be blunt because if we think about it, okay, um, your line of engagement or your – uh, you know your your period of how how engaged people are. It's generally within under five minutes. People, you, you generally have lost someone unless uh, unless you keep them engaged in something. So you you have these throwaway comments which are incredibly regular, and that's the concept of you know Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, so much more of social media is these instant decisions that you know once it's out there it's out there forever and um geez just as you as you mentioned i personally think that there should be that verification process your accounts should be held accountable that there should be names and your details kind of should be readily available to be blunt uh, so many more of these technology companies already have most of our details yeah not just an email address, but they've got everything else on top. So don't understand why we need to have all these anonymous or hidden accounts to be able to say um, hurtful and discriminatory uh, remarks, regardless of who the person is. I used to tell um, people, different kids and um, different friends and that, because I've been involved in media for quite a while, and, and, and a lot of one of my strengths is the written word. And so I always say to people, that before you commit anything to writing, you've, you've really got to think about it and double check and say, is that what you want people to associate with you? 100%. And, and you know, it just is, is it um, the great New York Jets coach, who Herm Edwards always says, whatever you do, don't press send. <laughs> yeah, yes, and, yep. uh, when you're saying stuff like that about people, because in social media world, it, the five-minute rule doesn't count for anything. And then people just say stuff. See, my, I think what I'm thinking, what the, the point I've got about Damon Hardwick and his missus splitting up is totally different to whatever is you guys are talking about blowing around social media. Yeah. In that, to me, I'm disappointed because I don't like that, right? Yep. But yep. whether I like it or not, it doesn't mean I'm, I, I don't want the dude crucified out on um, surfers' beach because – because guess what? The other thing that that dude who got crucified said was, if you are without sin, you can throw the first stone. I can't believe And that's something that. that never really floats on, on, on social media. Then I'm in big trouble because guess what? I put that in a tweet today. <laughs> oh, right, did you? Because <laughs> I didn't I actually see it. Did. No, you might not have because it might have been on a Richmond page or something. But I actually put in, you know, basically the quote about casting the first stone myself absolutely today. And I've also put myself out there, and, and Pete, you see some of my tweets. I've put myself out there to say I've made mistakes, and I'm happy for you to point and point them out. I'm also happy for people to change my mind. Um, I had something with a song lyric that I misconstrued from one of my daughter's songs today, um, and she actually explained what it meant today because I really hated the lyrics, and she explained what it meant. Guess what happened? I changed my mind. Can we be like that a bit more? That would be awesome. But, uh, hey, it's sport and it's emotion. It is. It definitely is. Um, yeah, 
Anyway, let's move on to uh, mm. 2021 and all things sporting. Absolutely. Well, thank you for uh, listeners for putting up with that. Uh, if you have um, listened to the first 20 minutes and survived, it will get a bit lighter from here on in. So let's bring some lightness. And, uh, that was Paul's time to put that one in. Yeah, I did. And look, I felt strongly, so I appreciate you guys mm. coming for the ride on that one as well. Guys, the EPL, the BPL, whatever you want to call it, has a real, real deep title chase on this year. Agree or disagree? Definitely. Uh, you know, we, we definitely teased uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer for long enough, uh, you know, saying <laughs> Ollie's at the wheel and saying what could happen. But credit to the guy, things are actually starting to click into place, regardless of uh, some of the players that he's got on the field or what his performances are looking like on a consistent basis. It's similar to, you know, Frank Lampard, who has started to have this slippery dip um, trick down the Premier League table at the moment started incredibly strong now just outside the top 10 or just inside the top 10 sorry uh, things are a little bit chop and change there we can see you know even earlier on um, this week in the Premier League with Southampton and Liverpool uh, listening to some of the stats I think that was Liverpool's 26th game of the uh, season so far and was actually um, Southampton's seven so you can see, you know, the obscurities and the uh, inequitables of football at the moment. But I guess that's what makes the game so exciting. And that's what makes us uh, return week after week or game after game. Because as we know, games are happening pretty much every 72 hours. Well, we've got, uh, you know, you got Liverpool out on, on top. Um, just on goal difference at the moment with Man United with a game in hand. But you can go from top on 33 right down to seventh on 29 uh, with teams with games in hand. You know, uh, I was listening to other podcasts about football this week and we're talking big podcasts. And the really funny thing is, I wonder if they even sometimes look at tables and stuff because if Man City win their two games in hand, they would be second. Man United win their game in hand, they're on top. And Liverpool drops down to third. And I'm not even. I didn't even hear a word about Man City, and they were in. They're in fifth on the on the ladder at the moment. So it's. Yeah. I just wonder if some of these experts are even looking at the table. Is Tottenham have a game in hand <laughs> if you go to 32? I mean, it's. That's a cool a question because I look at the table every single day. Every time we play, everyone knows who we is when I'm talking. Um, it's them when things go really pear shaped, but it's we at the moment still, right? But like. <laughs> if, I look at the table every day. I look two games ahead. Yep. I look at the permutations from the bottom to the top. And sometimes, and it's one of the few things that keeps you excited, right? Yeah. I look at the top of the table. Um, with the top of the table, I'll say at the moment, it's a bit like, um, you know, a choice between the Boston Stranglers, Son of Sam, Jack the Ripper, anyone you want. I'm going to do the full Catholic thing again. I'm going to go with Mother Teresa and say that, I really hope that the Mother Teresa team, which is Leicester, can actually keep going from here because the other teams being back up there, oh, my God, Chelsea's going to join the race. It's like, yeah, I love the mid-table. The mid-table's where the action's at, but in the top of the – see, it's amazing to me, though, Can I, if I can make one point, how quickly Man United became relevant at the top of the table again. And I've been saying all year, all year is that – yeah, it was, it's a Newcastle thing. But I remember a couple of before Christmas was going, geez, if we win two games, we'll be in the top five. 
Well, yeah. we didn't. We totally bombed out. We went out of the EFL. We played like crap. We come back. Somehow we peddled a, a result against Liverpool. I don't know how that happened, but it happened. I think the goalkeeper is very good. But um, I think this um, this um, title is going to be up for grabs at least for another two months. And that's good because I like the idea. We always say, oh, it's the, it's the most exciting league in the, in the world. And it hasn't always been that. But um, this no. year it might just be. And, you know, as you guys were talking about, Chelsea down in, uh, down in ninth. And they've played their full complements of games at the moment. They've spent an absolute fortune. And that does not guarantee that a team will gel. So they're probably, you know, this year might be a project year for them. But there'll be talk of, you know, Lampard out already. Give him a full season with the new players and see where they're at. Um, Arsenal in their last couple of games, you know, we were talking relegation a few weeks ago. Arsenal's, you know, mid-table um, ahead of Leeds on, 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 you know, on the same amount of games. So it is, it's a well, really... It's a big really... night for Arsenal. It's a big night for Arsenal, Newcastle and Leeds coming up. Yeah. Because a lot of things can happen in, in, in the ladder. I don't think any of those teams is in danger of getting anywhere near the bottom. Because oh, no. I think the bottom, and you guys are well better placed to tell me that, that, than me are, but it looks pretty ordinary at the bottom. And for once, I don't think we're that bad. Because I think we've got a striker. So, oh. But yeah, it's a huge couple of nights for those teams in mid-table. Yeah, and um, United, uh, Sheffield United, that is, uh, setting all sorts of records. 17 games in, two points. Um, their fate is at well and truly sealed. But even from West Brom... And well, Saudi in- ownership, you know, is, um, you know, it's a terrible thing to have a Saudi owner of a football team, so be good to get rid of it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no comment there. But, I mean, we, 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 you know, not long ago we were talking West Brom yeah, not having much hope, but they could be... They could be six points out, well, theoretically six points out if Fulham get even one result in the next couple of weeks. So I still think there's a chance for Fulham uh, well and truly to, to stay up. Uh, Burnley, Brighton, Fulham more than likely look like they'll fight out the final uh, couple of relegation spots there. But Sheffield United, oh my God, what a horror season for their fans. Um, they're the kind of season you just say, can we just go back to the championship now? You know, the championship's going to be fun. Being a Villa supporter and you're a Newcastle supporter and uh, Pete being Liverpool, um, Pete hasn't really felt what we've felt in, in over the last decade when we've been relegated. Is there anything worse than a relegation year where you're not even putting up a fight, John? It always feels like you're swimming through mud, you know, and, and I don't feel that this year. No. You know, and, and the thing is, you know, when you're hovering above the relegation zone and you know you're playing turgid football and you know that the results aren't coming, you know, you know that the, the, the manager's not getting backed by the owner and you know when you're getting sucked into it, right? You know that and I know that. Yeah. And I know Sean knows that. Uh, Pete, well, unless you're around the 1950s, you don't know that with Liverpool, but <laughs> feeling. And, and it just feels like running through mud. And I don't get that feeling for us this year. I really don't because I honestly think Callum Mills is one of the Best things that happened in Newcastle for years. And having a goal scorer like him, I I feel for him in that if he was playing with full houses at St. James's Park, that dude would become a god really quickly. What do you guys think about that? 
Yeah, I, I, I agree. I definitely think I think your supporters are fantastic, and I think they support that team, and I think they support the individuals in the team as well as anyone. Um, I also I just want to throw this in, if it's okay, uh, John. I was really, really happy to see Andy Carroll score his first goal uh, for Newcastle, I believe, at home in ten years. Well, if you come and look at, I've got my um, shoes off at the moment, and my my right foot is in bad shape because of cricket. I've had a few bad things that have happened there when I've been batting. Um, but also my middle toe um, points almost directly to the right where oh I God. kicked where I kicked the uh, the lounge when I was sitting up waiting for the the foot the uh, the um the um, transfer deadline to go through. Yep. When we sold Andy Carroll Liverpool for was it thirty three million pounds? I just wanted to fucking oh pardon me. Um, but at that point, Andy was awesome, and we didn't want to let him go. So, yeah, it was good to see him score. I was really excited. for the intemperate language, and my foot's never well, been... I don't, I don't know about you guys, but I feel that uh, if there's any podiatrists who are listening to the show, um, please feel free to reach out to Paul or to John on uh, on Twitter, or make sure you send off a message to the Atlantic Facebook page. Atlantic Pete on Twitter, <laughs> I think. And uh, podiatry, you can be one of our sponsors. We'll get uh, we'll get John's feet um, picked up. One of the things I, I wanted to touch on with the uh, Premier League as well this year is the actual quality of some of the keeping. Um, I think we're starting to get the big name keepers back in. I mean, obviously, Schmeichel, big name already. Schmeichel doing really well at Leicester. Uh, Martinez at Villa has had a record number of clean sheets for us. And I can tell you, he's played a massive part in that. I think we're seeing a bit of resurgence in um, keeper depth uh, in the APL. Yeah, absolutely. We, we, we've known for a while the likes of, you know, Allison and Edison. Yeah. Uh, we, we've seen a few kind of one or two pop up here or there. But now, uh, as you mentioned, this season, it's it's been incredible. Um, the, the depth, there's no one who's kind of, you know, there to make up the numbers. Uh, it's it's incredible. And, you know, you only have to go so far as uh, seeing AC Milan's uh, keeper in Donnarumma. His agent, Reno Maiola, has actually said, you know, He's been in touch with the likes of Chelsea, even though Chelsea had the likes of uh, Eduardo and mm. Kepa. He's still saying, "Look, maybe there's a window of opportunity to bring in, you know, one of the best up-and-coming keepers in the world, uh, who's been around the game for long enough that there's a window of opportunity to even join an even uh, a growing uh, group of keepers in the Premier League." And it is enjoyable to be able to see. But as as you mentioned there. Um, in uh, Martinez at Aston Villa, he is quite potentially the signing of the season so far, regardless of which club you follow or who you're supporting. Um, he has probably been the most incredible signing. No, I can't believe I, I'm just excited because we don't get players. Um, any transfer news that you guys have seen? Yeah, yeah, because um, I think it's anybody, any fair evaluation of the um, English Premier League at the moment would say that um, when Martin Dubrovka went down at mm. Newcastle, to have a guy like Carl Darlow come in and actually start to make real moves and genuine moves to the England um, keeper is saying something. Newcastle, I don't know whether it's where the dudes get to practice a lot because the balls have been smacked into, the, smacked into them in the box, but um, 
you know, both of those keepers are brilliant. And I, um, Darlow's keeping his first team spot. And I'm just going to have to do Bravka because he is easily top five goalkeepers in the EPL. It's just great. I mean, we don't, I don't think we talk about keepers enough anymore. It's always about, um, you know, you look at the transfer market that's open at the moment. And so many people always talk about we need a striker, need a striker, need a striker. But keepers, you get that solidity at the back. You get the confidence for your, your defenders to go forward more. Um, and I'm saying well, keepers are getting better with their feet again, which is so good to see keepers be able to use their right and left foot because it is football. What's, Pete, what's the word with um, about Matt Ryan? What are you hearing about him? Uh, that he will be sent out as soon as someone's willing yep. to basically pay a transfer fee. Yep. That uh, He's basically being told... Look, you can keep wearing the Brian Hove jersey and sit on the bench for now, but you don't have a home. So uh, you find a home pretty quickly. So it, pretty much every player agent out there is trying to find him a spot as soon as possible. Cool. All right. Continental Europe looking uh, looking the way to go? Uh, it seems most likely. I wouldn't be too surprised if he did head back to the likes of, you know, Belgium, yep. even though... Uh, Genk is currently uh, not the best option, uh, but I wouldn't be too surprised if he did end up in the likes of, you know, Belgium, maybe even Croatia, uh, or, you know, Netherlands could also be uh, potentially on the cards as well, but uh, no real confirmation of uh, where he could end up for now. And, and it's funny because we, we talk about our, I mean, obviously our EPL, the most followed uh, league uh, by Australians, um, Absolutely. But we almost look down on, oh, he's going to make a move to the uh, Eredivisie or the Serie A or, you know, La Liga. How the hell are we looking down on him moving even to Croatia, which is miles above, miles above the A-League? This is not necessarily a negative for his career. Well, think about, you know, Mitch Langerak. Uh People were kind of questioning why he went uh, to Japan. And now we look at him setting records and basically stealing the, the limelight for everyone. And if, you know, you're picking a Socceroos squad tomorrow yeah. and, you, and you asked who's going to be your first choice keeper, well, I'm not going to choose the guy who sits on the Premier League bench and he's out of favour. I'm going to be picking, you know, Yalangarax, who's just set a, world, uh, a record for the most saves in a season, the most clean sheets. Like, it, it's a no-brainer. So the thing is, you know, um, there used to be an old saying that Pim Verbeek brought out when he was the Socceroos coach uh, that it's better to to basically train in Europe than it is to play in the A-League. Um, <laughs> but at the moment, you know, it's better to just play wherever you can and get minutes on the field yeah. because, you know, that's what's actually most important is match preparedness and being match ready. Oh, look, we're going to uh, – that's an absolutely brilliant point. We're going to finish off part one tonight. Um, with the talk about the A-League, the opening uh, couple rounds. I, I, I've been ultra impressed in terms of some of the finishing and some of the skills, and it's always good to see it on highlights. But I've actually seen some of the games, and I have a couple little points there I'll make, but I'm going to let you guys talk first. Magnif- magnificent goals in, in, in the second round, though. Absolutely brilliant goals. Yeah, exactly right. So, uh, you know, I got to see Sydney FC take on Wellington Phoenix uh, down here in Wollongong just the other day. And obviously uh, three incredible screamers of goals. Uh, not that anyone actually got to see the Wellington Phoenix one, thanks to the Fox, uh, Fox Sports broadcast. But um, for all of us there in the ground, uh, we were blessed uh, 
be able to see the likes of Callum Neuenhoff score his debut goal on his debut game, as well as uh, Luke Braddon's one goal of the season. So for everyone else who sits behind the goals or in, up in row Z, uh, my advice would be stay out of Luke Braddon's way because <laughs> nothing's going anywhere near that goal. Um, but there were a couple of others. Um, brilliant performances and fantastic goals to find the back of the net. Like you can't really take away from the likes of Sedge Coast Mariners either. No. Two games, two wins, top of the table at the moment. Things are looking really positive, and it, it it's kind of I wouldn't say scary, but it, it is kind of you know it, it, it puts a smile on everyone's face once you start saying Sedge Coast Mariners two games and two wins. No, cool. I don't think anyone picked that. And I thought there was a magnificent curling goal. Um, sorry if I'm going to get the name wrong. Was it Peterson from uh, Melbourne Victory against the Raw? He's, you know, cut inside and a beautiful curling left footer. I probably got his name wrong there. But then um, it's a game of two halves football. Brisbane Raw absolutely outrun a very tired-looking victory. We know they've had issues with lockdown. Um, but the victory looked pretty ordinary. Yeah, that was uh, Callum McManaman who actually got on the ah, score sheet for said. victory there. Yep. What a goal that was. Absolutely sensational. And he is Mr. and Mrs. McMalicum's um, kid, yeah? <laughs> uh, young McManaman, I guess. Yep. Uh, yeah. yeah. Hey, Paul, but, that was Redcliffe. Sorry, mate? Uh, did you get to Redcliffe yet? Yes, we got, it got to Redcliffe. The... Um, Six, only 6,500 there, but 9,000 tickets sold. Um, Raw have made their tickets um, very um, affordable, like a lot of clubs have this year. Um, the atmosphere is outstanding. It's hard to get to. I'm not denying that. But 6,500 there, John, as you'd know, um, compared to you know eight or 9,000 at Suncorp, is, you can't compare the two. Uh, it is very loud. The players of both teams actually said they could hear and feel the crowd again. So I'm not saying Redcliffe is the spot, but ten to 12,000, maybe 14,000 maximum is what the Raw must get. Wherever they end up, they've got to try and get that stadium or that, whether they you know, join up with a rugby league team again. It, it cannot be at Suncorp. It has to be that 14,000 kind of atmosphere. Yeah, A-League, isn't it? Because you're talking about the Central Coast and that, and everyone's like looking down going, ownership really loves this, but... Uh... You know, I'm I'm actually, I can't believe I'm saying this. I, I was thinking of heading up there for a, what's a game. Please, mate, do it. Uh, we'll go and have a love. I like it. We've got a couch for you and you, you'll have a lovely time. But um, I'll do that. Mate, I think you're going to love, I really do, John. I understand all the um, locality issues. For those who are not in Queensland, it is a hard stadium to get to. A lot of our supporters are in the west and south of, of Brisbane and Brisbane. And it's well, given on the whole Christian, I like those, um, you know, the, the three kings. I've got my camel set up there. I follow, uh, <laughs> I'll be there in the next three weeks. Now, but to navigate via the stars and, uh, look, don't don't use Google Maps, obviously, but uh, see what you can do whilst on the, the on the back of the donkey. And no, I'll, be, with, oh, I'll, bring, I'll bring a gift of myrrh for... Oh, um, please do. But, yeah, bring the myrrh. But, that sounds good. Well, I'll tell you what, though. The, the thing is, um, uh, having been to a lot of games sorry, around the country, the Sydney's got the right kind of set up quite often with their provincial grounds, um, and that's really worked. And, and um, Pete, I've been to most of the, the grounds around the country. Newcastle, um, Jets ground, I've loved watching football there. 
Now, they're an interesting... We'll finish this topic off right now, guys. Sorry, mate. Oh, no. Um, the, the international... That's a great ground for what's in any sport. Oh, definitely. And League, football. I've seen union test there. I've seen league and I've seen football there. It's a great ground. Absolutely. It's a great ground. But what a unique situation we've got at the moment. Newcastle Jets in ownership issues, in, in issues and staying in the comp. Now, you, Pete, you'll know more about this than me, but currently three clubs are basically keeping Newcastle alive at the moment. Yeah, well, obviously, you know, previously, um, Football Australia would have been the one who would take over the licence and being able to uh, keep things running. But now that we have the Australian Professional Leagues set up, whereby, you know, the A-League is seen outside the bubble, uh, that's when all remaining 12 clubs were basically asked, okay, well, who wants to uh, help out and prop them up? Because the alternative is, is basically the likes of the Newcastle Jets goes into administration uh, and then they, they pretty much cease to exist for the rest of the season. But uh, you end up having the likes of Sydney FC, Western Sydney Wanderers and Western United to all step up to the plate and say, yep, we're more than happy to prop up Newcastle Jets for now. Uh, and assist them to make sure that they can stay in the competition, that they can remain. And personally, I find that really interesting, the fact that you've got, you know, two uh, New South Wales-based clubs and one Victorian-based club, especially when it's a new club, who are more than happy to uh, assist at the time. But uh, plenty of attention will really be on, you know, not just finding a new owner, but also finding a new head coach. There's plenty of speculation over the likes of Gary Van Egmont, who has been turning up at some of their training sessions recently uh, and sitting awkwardly in his car or sitting up behind the trees with his notepad and pen. So it seems incredibly likely that uh, Gary Van Egmont will end up being the new head coach for his third time at the club on I believe. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, this could be one of those Watford uh, moments whereby the coach comes in, they get sacked, uh, and then bring in the guy that you know and love because you, you kind of trust him for a little bit until you find someone else to take over. Oh, look, let's, uh, let's just get him housed at Bunnings somewhere. We'll be all fine. Look, anyone who doesn't like the A-League, that's up to you. I'm not going to try and convert you anymore. I love my uh, international football I love my football from all over the world, and I love having an A-League team. So I'm not going to try and convince anyone. I'm just going to enjoy it for what it is. Guys, that's the I'm end of bit, part one. I might be a little bit naive, boys, here, but see, when I think about Newcastle, right, and and, and it's everyone, if I say, oh, you're from Newcastle, let's go, oh, and Australia's, no, but I, I obviously have a soft spot for them. I think they got sucked down the same mire of, private ownership that the Gold Coast United went down. Um, I think if I think about Newcastle itself, the Hunter region, rugby league comes first. And I think you could pretty much find a way of saying that they go rugby league and then football. Yep. And to have them in this position, they've got great supporters. They really do. They really do. And um, people from that part of the world are so passionate. And And I hate the fact that they've been a how's this term? A football for the whole time since the Tinkler thing, and yeah. I don't like it. Um, and I hope they get it sorted out because I don't really want to watch the A League without a minute. No, nor do I. Nor do I. That's a fantastic end of part one, there, guys. We're going to come back with part two. We're going to talk a bit of cricket, a bit of NFL, and uh, anything else that catches these guys' uh, attention.
Just got him. A minute before they have to run out of play. Get a first down in there. The game will be over. Sudfeld into the game, but in this in this circumstance, come on. Fourth down, and Sudfeld's going to run for a first down. The clock will keep on running. Sudfeld over the middle. Where's the laterals here? Forget That's about it. the way the game should have ended, right yeah. there part two of the podcast hope you survived part one and if you haven't you're not listening so we're probably by ourselves and that's okay as well part two of the love sport podcast we're going to talk a little bit of cricket boys and um look we've kind of talked about the bbl in recent times as not being that interesting but it only took a couple flashes of um brilliance in the last few nights to get people talking again i'm not sure if you guys saw andre fletcher's uh, two remarkable catches uh, at all for the Melbourne Stars the other night. Probably may have seen it on the news. Yeah, definitely did manage to catch the highlights of that one. Um, as you mentioned, sensational catches and what a way for the Stars to be able to get the result over the Hurricanes. And, you know, it's one of those left a little bit late, if anything. Uh, but the Hurricanes were close. The hit They just couldn't catch up um, based on what the Stars' total was. Well, John, I know you're not a big um, – you're a massive cricket fan. You're not a big um, – you know, you don't get too excited about the BBL. But this is kind of where I want to go with this one. My kids are not cricket kids at all. Um, they're onto their devices. They, they love watching the highlights of international sport. They love going to the, you know, the AFL and all that. But they don't um, particularly love cricket. They, they were brought up a little bit differently. But they – went nuts about the two catches that they saw the other night from the BBL. And I just found that really interesting that they have no interest at all. And they were talking about these two catches they'd seen because the player not only took the catches, um, uh, Andre Fletcher didn't only take the uh, catches, but the West Indian danced after both catches. And that's what kind of also got the crowd and um, my kids and, and other supporters excited. So maybe the BBL just needs to be a bit more fun again. Get rid of all the rule changes. Get rid of this, that, and the other. Just go back to what it started as. You know, stumps are lit up, um, fireworks after sixes and stuff like that. Just get back to some really basic fun. Yeah, to some basic umpiring decisions. (laughs) You're not wrong. Like, I mean, let's be real. Like, uh, the catches, yeah, whatever. I mean, the catches happen all the time. There's some great catches, and they were great catches, but... You know, whatever. You know what? I don't go to cricket to watch catches, man. I go to watch batting and bowling, and um, I've been very disappointed when I've seen the BBL this year. And um, and the umpiring has been atrocious. I don't want to be a harbinger of doom, but uh, God, I watched the Renegades last night. Mm. One of the worst batting performances I've seen from a team. <laughs> I couldn't organise my cat Wayne to bat better than that. I should have had the, that best thing about the, the best thing about the Renegades is their Twitter account, to be blunt. Their social media presence is way better than their actual on-field performances. Oh, they're diabolical. What? I couldn't believe what I was watching. You could almost put – I know the Brisbane Heat are having a bit of a resurgence, but you can put teams like the Heat into that same kind of category when, you know, you're chasing 35 off 31 and you're going – 
I know it's called the big bash, but they're going to bash when they could play actual cricket shots and win games. And, and I think they're forgetting what they're forgetting some of the most basic elements of cricket. You can actually score runs. You remember being a kid in the nets and saying, I've got to get like 14 off the last over. And just yeah. say, I'm just going yeah. to do this and do that. Uh, some of the stuff's just absolute garbage. And I, I hate the format. I don't love the play. I'll, I'll tell you what I was happy about. I was happy to see Joe Burns get some runs the other night for the heat. Um, yeah, and I was I as well. There's a lot of people who take sport way too seriously. Now, dude's been dropped from the Australian team. Um, he he copped it in social media and he got it everywhere he went. And I thought his interview after that game was just beautiful when he said, you know what, I was hoping that my average for this year would go from two to five. <laughs> and now, really oh, the match. And you got to, you got to, you got to take it up to the guy. I don't think he'll play for Australia again. We've had these discussions. No. But um, his attitude was positive. He didn't kill himself or, you know, go, oh, my God, I can't believe how – the what's the thing that our friend Sean always talks about, the done me wrong song? He didn't deserve oh, to be yeah. anymore. And, um, but he did bat well. I, I think he's a quality state cricketer. And I'd love to go back in time, be able to play now um, and just play in the 2020 circuit, India, uh, uh, England and here. Just doing stuff. No one really cares. Well, who cares? I don't care. Who cares? The, the thing, I think you just summed it up really well, um, and it should be the same in all sport. Um, Joe Burns, and I, I, I know him a little bit from working with him in cricket, was always a different cat. He was always chilled out, and I think that got under coaches. Um, coaches got a bit annoyed thinking he wasn't taking things seriously, but he legitimately is one of the most chilled out and a little bit different people, and there's nothing wrong with that. You don't, not everyone has to be firebrand and you know, hell for leather. He's just got a good attitude to life, and he's got a lot of good friends. And I think he's got perspective. And I think we were talking about social media in part one. Maybe we all need to get a little bit more perspective. Anyway, that's that part. <laughs> <laughs> the silence is deafening. Um, oh, the BBL every week it gets us, doesn't it? Oh, it does. League. Bit of drama, boys, about the uh, Sydney test. And obviously, we're not, we're not bashing states about COVID. COVID-19 is an extremely serious and it's scary. And we're lucky that we're on this massive island called Australia where we are isolated from a lot of the other issues that other countries that border other countries can't realistically get away with, right? So we've been protected by our isolation uh, to, to a big extent. But right now, we've got a test being played in Sydney and... Pete, I have to go to you on this one because you're living in you live in New South Wales. It just feels a bit weird that we've got a test happening, and there's all this stuff happening with COVID. Um, it, it, what, what's from the ground? What's the thoughts on that one? Sure, it's a tough one because obviously, reading a few different articles this morning uh, about you know the test has to go on for everyone's mental health uh and saying you know the show must go on regardless of what's happening and it's interesting that you know more and more suburbs are being listed as as hotspot regions and people who can't uh, go to an event it, it's it's a really odd situation because you know it, it's it doesn't make a whole lot of sense why 
you know, the capacity has been limited to 10,000 people. And if you're going, you need to wear a mask the whole time, except when you're eating and you're drinking, that the, the concept is that, you know, public transport usually sounds like the good idea, but basically Sydney trains are saying to people, look, try and get dropped off. So obviously Uber and Ola are going to be doing really good business over the next few days of the tests. Uh, the concepts are, you know, that, if, if you turn up at the game from a few different regions, you're potentially going to get slapped with a thousand dollar fine on the spot. <laughs> it, it just seems weird because why open up the doors at all then? If you're going to just do it, have the test and basically just say, you know what, it's going to be on TV, stay home, watch it at home, join in, and basically let's have a giant discussion on, I don't know, Facebook Live or Twitter or instagram or whatever and basically shut up shop <laughs> and which just, is what they're doing around the rest of the world yeah exactly it just seems weird um yeah don't the know. last time <laughs> I, did, I i was living in in a suburb black town called um oh what was it called um i can't remember i was living outside of black town been awesome halfway between black town and penrith and i was working there right so and i went to the mcg i went to leichhardt I went to MacArthur Stadium. God, I went and saw um, I went and saw West Tigers play at all the different grounds they had. Um, but I, I love going to the SCG. I caught the train in, go for a dune side and get to the ground. Um, could I go there from there at the moment? Uh, to be blunt, probably not. Uh, there's a few suburbs which are kind of considered on the list that if you turn up and you're from let's just pick a suburb and say Wentworthville. Uh, mm. If you live in that suburb and you turned up at the ground, you'd get a $1,000 fine on the spot and you'd get told, turn around and go home. Mm. Hey, Paul, that'd be like when I went to watch Richmond and the Lions and I got told to turn around and go home. Remember that? Because you couldn't get in the car park. Yeah, because they said I was, you know, I can't put my car in there. <laughs> <laughs> Probably lucky you did that night, mate. Probably lucky you did. Oh, we got spanked. It was that's true. But uh, look, it is a really weird world, and I know we're going back to other sports, but um, England and and we've got a lot of we do have listeners from the UK, and we do have friends and family there, and I know you've got family there. Um, once again, we're putting our, our thoughts and everything out to you guys going in lockdown again. Schools are shut down again, I believe, for this term or for a big part of the term. So we want to talk about mental health and, and, I, and I'm, I'm not having to go at you, Pete, I'm having to go at the, the kind of, um, the, the me- you know, the messaging I've seen in the last day or so from Sydney. Mental health in Sydney compared to the lockdown in places like London and, and New York and so forth is, is just, it's atrocious, mm. you know what I mean? Like I, I just, I just can't believe. Yeah, and to be, are, to be fair, yeah. like there, there's no place I would rather be right now than where I am. Like, I, I, if I think about on my calendar, if things were, you know, considered to be normal at the moment, I'd probably be overseas and I'd probably yeah. either doing coach education courses or I'd be doing different World Cup qualifiers. I'd have different things going on. But based on, you know, current situation about what's happening in the world, I think about what we're doing here in Australia or what we're doing here in Sydney. And you know what? There's no place I'd rather be. I'm incredibly happy with things going on at the moment with the way that we're managing. Um, the acceptable number of what is, uh, you know, going on, 
it is the acceptable number is zero. Uh, and the fact that yeah. we're still considered one of the, the most organized or one of the most benefited uh, areas or regions, mate, I'm happy where I am. Yeah, yeah. here, here. I think, yeah, I, I don't really, can't really add too much more to that. Well, not well, from the cricketing. All because Sorry. I spoke to, I went around to um, my mum and dad's place on the on New Year's Day and what they call in England, Scotland, the first foot. Went around there and saw them. Yep. And um, dad was speaking to um, my uncle and aunt who live in, in inner city Newcastle. And, and it's not like here. We don't have, they don't have, Yards and you know, let's have a you know a massive yard sit in the garage and do a podcast and that that just doesn't exist there. Yeah. And um, yeah. the poor people there, they barely left the house for eight months, and now they're scared again, you know. And and they're they're, they're seventy and a bit, and it's it's a horrible time for all those people. And and I think a lot of I I think in Australia we really need to be able to get down our hands and knees and say. Thank God for what we have been, the the opportunity we've been given here to not have that, have the bodies pile up around us, and just be able to go to these jobs. Yeah, for that. Hey mate, I have no qualms with going to a cafe and signing in straight away electronically. I put my uh, camera on. I just sign in. Most of the places I go to have my predetermined details and so forth. I have absolutely no issue doing that, mm. um, and having the freedoms that we've got. And my heart is honestly breaking for those people that we know in, in the US. Um, I don't think my cousin's come out of lockdown in about 13 months in the US in Hillage in New York City. And you've got family in Newcastle and Pete, you'd obviously have people uh, all around the world as well. So we're not being cold hearted. We actually um, really feel for those people. We should be blessed that we can even consider going to a game of cricket at, uh, at the Gabba yeah, or the SCG. Yeah. The Gabba the test is in real doubt as well. We won't go into that this week, but the Gabba test is in a bit of doubt there. I'm not going to put down what happened with the Indian team. No point. We're a bit into this podcast. Let's get on to one of our favourite topics, John. And Pete, we're getting you on the Buffalo Bills bandwagon. Yeah, I'll get but the NFL... first here. His team is there on fire, Pete. Off you go. <laughs> Jeez, put the pressure on me straight away. Um, well, look, uh, as, as you kind of have nominated the Bills to become my team, it seems that they are fulfilling uh, pretty much every dream that you've mentioned, uh, and they are really becoming the hottest team in the NFL. And th- there's a number of players who it, it seems like not only are the Bills going to finish in the top three of the NFL, or, but there's a number of players who are really starting to hit their straps and they could become, you know, that top side over the next few years that I know that you guys have mentioned before uh, that they, they, they're kind of, they're quite underachievers over the last couple of years, but things are really starting to lock in a place for the Bills. It's it's unbelievable, mate. And look, you, you, you've jumped on at the right time because people can't really say bandwagon because they still haven't won anything yet, right? Yes, they've won the AFC East. Um, but we had a we had an unbelievable last round. Uh, your Buffalo Bills absolutely pulled the pants down of my Miami <laughs> Dolphins, who I, I love as much as I love any of my other teams. Paul, they did ungodly things to you when you're pants. <laughs> I've got to be honest, guys. I am still moving up about what you guys did to me. So, um, 
Look, it was one of the worst days I've had as a Dolphins supporter, but we were talking about perspective before and about social media and everything. And I went, we are, and you would have seen my post, you guys maybe on Facebook. We were 10 and six, not expected to do anything. We've given a quarterback who would have been red shirted. We've given him a season to kind of get his feet on the ground. We've got no offensive weapons whatsoever. We have three picks in the top 50 next year in the draft, including pick number three for a team that won 10 and six. I think the thing for so me that not- concerns me, Paul, though, and, and we'll get a little bit deep here on NFL, is that you have a, def- a defensive-minded coach. You had a yep. top five defensive team this year. And what Josh Allen and his team did to you, only in the first half, remember they left after yeah. that, was one of the great eviscerations of a sports team I've ever seen. And and everything was on the line because your guys weren't there on pretend. They, it, you win, you get the, into the playoffs. Winning in. Winning I in. couldn't believe how they just, oh, my God, it was it was a bit like watching Newcastle against Portsmouth when Portsmouth scored four goals in 15 minutes and Sam Allardyce walked out the back of St. James's Park and said, where's the car? I'm leaving. It was just like that. Well, let me put it this way. I went in and all I hoped for, there was a number of scenarios, Pete, where Miami get in, right? We we had three or four other teams that could have lost and we got in. But um, my philosophy, like anyone else, is, is you win and you're in. Forget anything else. You don't have to worry about anyone else. Our defensive, we've been such a great defensive unit this year. Not a lot of depth there, uh, John. And they ran out of legs. And the Buffalo Bills were fantastic. So it was one of those cases where we did not turn up at all. And they turned up full pelt. And look, massive. Just And, and I want to put this in perspective. Miami Dolphins fans this year have been, as a whole, really great. But like any other supporter group, absolute morons out there calling for coaches to be sacked and Tua to be sacked and this, that, and the other. Did, did Josh did Josh Allen blitz in his first couple of seasons? No, this has he been... Okay. But I would say to Pete, the thing is, let's totally segue from that. Pete, now that you've got the, the Bills as your team, right, is that what you do is you girls, you, have, you let them all know, and at the end of the year when, you know, you're doing the end-of-year presentations... They'll give you a nice new Bills cap to go with it, just like my... Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, very strategic, very strategic. They love it. And uh, and then all the girls in your team become Bills fans. Become Bills fans. So I've got three generations of Miami State High rugby girls who are all nuts for the Packers. And that's the way you do things, man. It's just like you just lay the groundwork. You let it happen. Well, you'd know, John, I've got like an absolute tribe full of Richmond supporters now who are getting their friends to follow Richmond and their friends to follow Richmond. And you just keep growing. Um, and with the girls in my life, they all love dolphins and tigers. So, hey, I, I don't mean the teams. They just love dolphins and tigers as the animals. That's you the know, easiest way to get them to follow the dolphins. It's, it takes a bit longer. Family and sports, they're different, man. Oh, hey, I totally get that. And I don't disagree with you at all. But uh, look, in, in further stuff, look, it's really funny. JJ Watt came out and said, I can't stand the way we're playing. Um, I'm really sorry for the fans. I, I go out and try and win every single game, right? And only a few hours later, Philadelphia Eagles put in one of the most disgraceful performances and coaching performances I've seen in any sport in my lifetime. Um, John, I'm going to let you... 
and, and Pete, from a coaching perspective, you guys can jump in on this one. Philadelphia Eagles, for the rest of my life, they can go to hell after what I saw uh, on Monday morning. Look, there's a couple of ways to look at it. And we had a quite a robust discussion on, in our text messages, Paul, at the time. And I didn't like it at all. I, I feel for the, the – see, draft picks next year mean nothing to the people you've been coaching this year. And the guys just want to win a game. Uh, the dudes, and let's be honest, I mean, the NFL's one of the most body-concentrated sports on the planet. You're putting your body on the line every every single play you walk out there. Um, as a coach, I couldn't do that to my players. I wouldn't be saying to them, look, next year we're going to have all these amazing new players coming in. You won't necessarily be here. I would be like, we're going to play and we're going to win. I think one of the things I've always loved about the NFL is that you play to win. And I couldn't believe what I was watching. I thought it was poor form. I think the NFL... Give listeners a bit more... Give give listeners... um, John, I'll get you to give listeners a bit more of a background on what actually occurred during that I was actually shocked when it happened because at the time it was 17-13. So the Washington Redskins are playing for the the NFC uh, North... North, No, NFC East. NFC East, sorry, North. That's... that's North is us. Um... NFC East division, um, it's a terrible division. All the teams there have been crap all year. But, however, I was really looking forward to seeing it because I couldn't believe I thought the Philly game would be awesome because they've got so much to prove. Every game in the NFL means something. Yep. At 17-13, the Eagles have a chance to kick a, a, a game-tying field goal. They turn that down. They sub in their third string quarterback after that and he's just I mean seriously I mean Pete I don't know about he you was bad. like he's like your fourth cousin removed he's not he's the, he's the dude who's not getting on our podcast because he doesn't know anything about sport and he's suddenly playing there throwing the ball around and he was shit I felt sorry for and, him. I felt sorry for well him, what's he going to do I felt he, did one of his eyes not look quite right oh he, you know, you look at someone struggling and they can't actually concentrate on you. Yeah, he looked like off. someone out of an Adam Sandler field, uh, film. Mm. You know, like, you can't do it. You look like one of those guys. It was embarrassing to watch. I, I, I couldn't believe because actually you texted me and I looked down, looked up, and then Sudfeld's in. And I went, hang on. I thought that um, Hertz must have got hurt. Yeah. And you and me, I, let's be honest here with the listeners too. Neither you nor me think that Jalen Hurts is the answer to the problem for Philadelphia. No, he's a good backup. Um, no, he's Sudfeld. Yeah. Look, you just got to play to win. I mean, I look at New York, New York Jets, right? They could have tanked the year. They could have got the number one draft pick. They could have got Trevor Lawrence, but they played to win. And I've got a huge respect for their year in terms of they just didn't stop trying to Somewhere win. Somewhere it's right? going to come back to get um, you, isn't it? It is. It is. Uh, look, Pete, from a coaching perspective, mate, um, if you were if you were told, you know, you keep losing all your games this year, you're going to get one of the best girls, um, best young girls to play for you from, um, I don't know, Northern Beaches or Sydney or whatever. Um, do you play to win for your girls playing, or do you play to get a girl who's going to make your team really, really good next year? Well, the thing is, they're not even there at the moment, so it, it just doesn't make any sense when you've got a squad of players in front of you who have been with you for X amount of time, 
you kind of have to respect the people in front of you and respect the game that's there and respect the opponents. So to be able that's to... Great point. Like, Pete, you said you've got to respect the opponent. And, and yep. something I say to my kids all the time is we have to respect them. Whether we're in front by 100 or it's two points, I don't want to cut you off. What you said there actually goes right to the core of everything I believe in. You have to respect your opponent. Yeah, absolutely, because the thing Michael. is, you know, the game doesn't exist unless you're there with your opponents and you're both trying to achieve the same thing, and that's what a battle is. So by, you know, producing this type of a performance and by having, you know, this level of disregard for the game, disrespect for the game, for basically saying you're going to throw a performance just so you can benefit something for the next year, I don't know how any of the players in that squad could then respect that person ever again. Like instantly I would have just gone, no, no, tell you what, I'm not playing for you as a coach anymore, nor am I going to wear this jersey if that's how you're going to treat this. Yeah, you could see it on the sideline. They were doing that. They were like, what the fuck are we doing here? Those dudes come to win. Can you imagine playing in a... In a okay, so you you've lost five games in a row against the All Blacks, and you go okay. What I want you to do is to not do anything, so that they can pulverise you again, and because of that, we'll end up getting a player who wasn't the sixth best; it's the eighth best next year. Kind of masculinity. And it's massive reports, and they are from very well-renowned NFL reporters. And the NFL reporters, are, as you know, John, they usually get their stuff pretty spot on. Mm. There's massive reports that at least two big-name Philly players actually approached Peterson, and Peterson told them to go and get effed. Um, now, I didn't actually say the full word there, but that, that's a very solid reporting. I can't two senior players. That he was doing that without the, the imprimatur of the people higher up than him. Um, oh yeah, no, no, no doubt, yeah. no doubt. But the fact, the fact that those big name players went to him and, and said, "This is we just can't believe this." Um, I reckon Philly's. I know they're going to be rebuilding now, but they're going to lose some big name players. I, I can, I can see those players going as free agents pretty quickly. They only won the Super Bowl three years ago. Three years ago, Carson Carson Wentz is on the chopping block. It looks like he'll be traded. And a couple other big-name players want to go. I'm not saying Wentz is a be-all and end-all. He, he's kind of fallen apart the last two or three years. But if I was a Philly fan, man, I would not be a happy camper right now. No, a lot. And that's how hard it is to win Super Bowls. And that's why um, Pete needs to get on board right now because he's staring down the barrel of getting one straight up. <laughs> uh, it's the perfect time to get involved and there's no better time than right now. That's it. Hey, hey, uh, John's been following the, the Green Bay Packers before you were born. Um, I've been probably following the uh, Dolphins before you were born as well. We've seen really, really good times and we've seen some pretty ordinary times. Mate, just jump on board now. Do it. You already have. Well, you're, you're a bill. You're a bill. You might as well. If you've ever been to Buffalo, um, I don't mean to be rude. They need a football team to win. Well, there you go. I'll, I'll add it on to the, uh, to the Twitter bio. So uh, that way then it's, it's official. Bills fan, get it on there now, mate. Before the <laughs> and if they get it on there before, the... hey guys, um, 
it's been a really interesting podcast. We got pretty serious uh, tonight. So, any any kind of final thoughts here? Some let's let's do it. Some predictions, really quickly. I'm going to throw them straight out to you. Haven't even thought about this. AFL 2021 winners. Oh, I think we actually uh, have done some of these predictions. In we have. I'm going to throw it straight Ooh, out. Jeez. I... Let's do it again. Let's do it again. Okay. Uh... <sighs> Well, I think uh, last time we threw it and we said that no one's really going to beat the Tigers uh, in the next few years. So I think it, it, it's Tiger Town. Uh, we could beat ourselves. What about you, John? I'm not going to go on with that. I'm going with the, the Lions. What do you think I'm going to say? Hey, I'm still going to ask. Still going to ask the question. Um, oh, damn it. I'd like to say the Tigers, but I think if Geelong don't win this year, they're not going to win for quite a few years. So I'm going to, I'm going to be hated by everyone in the world. I, I think it's Geelong have to win 2021. You're kidding. You, Paul, going on up at your place there, man. Like what what happened on that trip to Redcliffe? Did you lose something there? I think, like, come on, man. I think, You're the most tiger. I think I might have drunk too much water. Uh, look, I've took, taken my Tigers hat off at the moment. And, and look, if you have a look at the list that Geelong have, this is you, a must-win year. They have thrown every single egg into that basket. They had that last year. Or oh, even more now that they've got Cameron. Have you, have you heard yeah, of the... Nevertheless. Hey, well, can we do reverse psychology here? And so if I've put all the pressure on Geelong to win, who knows what I'll have okay. to say. Okay. Okay. okay, I think... Um, for the Tigers, me going for the Lions and you're going for the Cats. I'm not going for predicting they win. Right. There's a big difference right. there. Uh, NRL, I think the Roosters are going to hit back and the Roosters will win 2021. Yep. Back that one up every day of the week. What a, and what about yourself there, Mark? No, I think that the, it's either going to be the Storm or the Penrith Panthers. Yeah, you have you have said that very, very well. Uh, A-League, if the A-League continues the way it is, who's going to win it? Central Coast Mariners, I think. <laughs> uh, look, I'd love to be able to say that it's support to a number of good friends who are coaches over at the Mariners, but I think it's pretty much between Sydney FC and Melbourne City to end up uh, who could be victors of the A-League. And at the moment, I'm kind of tipping uh, Sydney FC to go three times back to back to back. Uh, Brisbane Roar is going to break it this year. They're going to surprise everyone. Brisbane Roar is going to win the title. And uh, who you got there, John? You'd have to be crazy to tip against Sydney FC. Um, I'm feeling a little bit like yeah. uh, not Uli Stierlicker. Who was the coach straight up? Uh, Pierre Lebowski. Oh, come... Yeah, I'm feeling a little bit like what? Germany, like 1992. So I'll go with um, Sydney. They, If you're going to win it, you've got to beat them. Absolutely. Uh, NBL, but John, you are a massive fan of, massive fan of the NBL. I think it's uh, Brisbane Bullets time. Um, I think they're going to come really good. Their season starts in about a week and had, had as much advertising as the A-League. I've been lucky enough to f- put a in my man cave a set of steel drawers and I can put my nuts in them and slam it shut. <laughs> <laughs> That's my answer. Oh, <laughs> I reckon that might actually be a really good way to end this podcast. I think uh, your nuts locked up. I think we couldn't be any better. Boys, 
I really appreciate you being on the podcast again. You can catch us at Lambic Peach for John on Twitter. He doesn't respond to anything. Pete at Pete Novikowski. He's put out a puzzle on how to get his name. And I have the most generic name ever. I can't believe I got it. Paul underscore football. We are the Love Sport Podcast. Chuck us a few questions. You might even be able to get on the pod. Way to skater. Guys, that was that was deep tonight. Hey? That was there was some pretty uh, feisty little things there. So, um, look as I said, get. Uh, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Love Sport Podcast. I was Paul, your host, joined by John and Pete. You can get us on the Love Sport Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. You can also follow me on Twitter at Paul underscore football. You can get John at Lambic Peach on Twitter and Pete at Pete Novikowski. We are the Love Sport Podcast. Should I stay or should I go now? Should I stay or should I go now?